Everything Changes, Chapter 2. The night out arrived at last and they all met under Cleary's clock on O'Connell Street. The windows were full of a Christmas wonderland. The girls spent some time going from window to window. One window had a snowstorm with, with Santa in his sledge with lots of presents in a big sack. He looks like he's flying through the night sky full of bright twinkling stars. The next window is Santy's workshop, but the one they like best is the one that tells the story of the little match girl. They go to have a meal in Forte's Italian cafe further up the street. I see you're wearing your sister's coat tonight, Bride, said Bridie. I am not. This is the first time it's been worn, said Kathleen, not too happy. It's my new Christmas coat. It looks very like the one I've seen your sister wearing cycling her bicycle, answered Bridie. Kathleen could not believe what she was hearing, she thought. Wait till I get my hands on Pat when I get home. There was no going for the cheap thing on the menu tonight. They all went for the one and one followed by a knickerbocker glory. The plates arrived with the biggest portion of battered cod and chips they had ever seen. Bridie said, Pass the salt and vinegar. I'm ready for this. Patty smiles at Kathleen. Pat's a handful. Don't let her ruin your night. That she most certainly is not going to do, said Kathleen, smiling back at Pat. As they sat chatting back and forward, Kathy, Kathleen could not have been happier. It was now time for the Knickerbocker glories to arrive. The tall, clear glass crammed with ice cream, tinny, tinned fruit cocktail, red jelly, green jelly, more ice cream, more fruit cocktail, more jelly, more ice cream, fresh whipped cream, chocolate syrup and hundreds and thousands, a rainbow of colour. The spoons were even longer than the glass. It would take the rest of the evening to eat it. <laughs> They'd have to walk home. When Kathleen arrived home, Pat was not at home yet. I'll say nothing to her tonight. I have a better plan, thought Kathleen. Instead, she goes into the bedroom and takes a look at her wardrobe. The lock was still shiny and new. Kathleen had bought it since she had moved back in with the family, paying for it on the never-never. It didn't look like it had been picked. She stood just looking at it for a while. Then she sees the scrape marks on the floor. She quietly pulls the wardrobe from the wall and starts and she can see where Pat has removed the screws from the backboard of the wardrobe. It's just staying there by the grace of God. Okay, Pat, thought Kathleen. I'll sort you out in the morning. As Pat works in a bakery, she is always first to leave the house in the morning and first to come home in the afternoon. As soon as Pat leaves the next morning, Kathleen goes into the kitchen to find some cardboard and a pen. By the fire is a basket with sticks and some cardboard. Taking a nice big piece, Kathleen goes to the table where she finds her mother's pen and begins to write in big letters, gotcha. She pokes two holes in the brown cardboard and goes to the cream dresser drawer 
where she knew her mother kept the string. Back at the table, she's making a loop with the string. She goes back to the drawer to find a wood tack. She is ready to head back into the bedroom. She pulls the wardrobe out from the wall and tacks the sign. With great satisfaction, she smiles. Sort it without a harsh word, she said out loud. The wardrobe now back in place. She gets her key, opens it. Going back into the kitchen, she gets a couple of cloth bags that they use for the shopping. Back into the bedroom, she folds her best coat. It's a it's bluebell in colour, the colour of her eyes, with a full swing shape, black velvet collar and cuffs. In another bag, she puts other clothes that she has been saving and hasn't worn yet. She wonders how often Pat has. Now leaving the house, Kathleen heads to the pawn shop near the Ruby Jewelries, Jewelers that is just beside the pro-cathedral church. Now heading inside, she asks the pawnbroker if she can pawn her clothes. The man behind the counter says if they're in good condition and clean. He took them out of the bag. Wow, these are nice. Are you sure? Just for a few days, I will be buying them back. Leave them and each week you will have to pay more. How much do you need, he asked. A pound, said Kathleen. I know they're worth more than that. You won't have them long, Kathleen smiled at him. He handed her the pound and said, goes up tuppence every week. She left the pawn shop satisfied. Did you kill Pat last night, asked Bridie. The girls gathered around Kathleen. I did much better than that, said Kathleen. She told them of her morning's adventures. It's worth the tuppence. I wish I could be a fly in the wall. I wish I could see her face, said Patty. Yes, said Anne, and if she says anything, she'd be hanging herself. The foreman came in to the sewing room. He was a short, overweight man. Kathleen never liked the way he looked at her. He shouts, more work, less chatter. The girls headed to their knitting machines. Rachel was coming home for a week's holidays. Mam, Pat and Kathleen are on the number 46A bus out to meet Rachel off the boat. It was a bright day, but a bit windy. They headed upstairs so that they could get a good view of the coast as the bus drove along it. Mrs Broderick reaches up and opens the window. We might as well catch a good breath of sea air while we're at it. Isn't it amazing? We only have to travel a few minutes to leave the city behind and it feels like we're somewhere else completely different, she said. This had been a blessing over the past decade. They had walked out to Fairview Park some Sunday afternoons to get some sea air and eat a picnic. Such as it was with the food rationing. The war had been very hard on most people. They now saw Rachel heading towards them. The chatting and hugging began. I thought I was going to miss the boat. They pulled me over again by the customs. They bloomed well thought I was Eva Baron again, laughed Rachel. They went into the nearby cafe 
Tea and scones all round, said Mrs. Broderick. Kathleen could not believe it was over two years since she had started in the Viennese knitting factory. She had been promoted to fine detail finisher, a very specialised job. This is what gives the garment its extra value. The next day after lunch, the four men brings in a very special order that needed to be finished that day. It was a beautiful, dusty, pink, fine-knit suit. The girls got to work on it straight away. At end of shift, Kathleen had not quite finished her part of it, as she had to always wait for all the pieces to come together and to arrive at her workstation. They don't always arrive in the right order, as had been the case today. Before leaving with the girls, she stuck her head in the office door. I'll come in early and get it finished first thing in the morning, she said. How far away are you from finishing it, asked the foreman. About a half an hour, she said to the foreman. The foreman said, I'll give you an hour's overtime to finish it tonight. Kathleen headed back into her work area. Most of her work now was very fine hand sewing and final press. The foreman arrived into her workspace and asked how she was getting on. Kathleen smiled and said, all done. The foreman came too close to her and said, try it on. It's yours. Kathleen's heart began to race faster than a train. She went to step away from him, but he was too quick and his large fat body blocking the doorway as he grabbed at her. Not in this lifetime, thought Kathleen, as she raised her leg and hit landed right on target. Leaving him bent double, she pushed at him and was now running out of the factory. Blast, she shouted. I've left me bag and me coat inside. I'll have to walk home and it's bloody well raining. On the way home, she headed for Patty's flat. It was closer than home and she needed to talk to someone. Patty was a great listener. She had a head full of sense. She would know what to do. Kathleen was like a drowned rat when Patty opened the door. What on God's earth happened to you? Come in, come in. I'll get you a towel and I'll put the kettle on. We'll be better off in the bedroom. They're all in the kitchen. Kathleen stood in the hallway waiting for the towel. Patty handed the towel and led her into the bedroom. Patty opened her wardrobe and took out a dress and cardigan. Putting them on the bed while Kathleen dried off, Patty said, take your clothes off. Oh, that was too much for Kathleen. She started to cry like the floodgates had just been opened. Patty put her arms around her, not caring if she was getting wet. That's the best cup of thing I th- tea I think I've ever had, said Kathleen to Patty. Oh, what has happened, said Patty. Are you ready to tell me what's going on? Kathleen retold what had happened. The brute, I'll give him a mouthful in the morning. We should be part of a union. If we were, these things wouldn't happen. Don't say anything, said Kathleen, tearing up again. I'll sort it out on my own. No, you won't. You're not on your own, said Patty. Patty is my word against his. No one else was there. Okay, I won't say a word. But I've the memory of an elephant. He's not getting away with this, Patty said, deep in thought.
Next morning, Patty met up with Kathleen, so Kathleen didn't have to go in by herself. Did you get any sleep last night, Kathleen? Not much, but I have a plan. At lunchtime, I'm going to hop on a bus into town and look for a new job. I can't stay here. Perhaps in a shop. I don't care if I'm laid back. I'll give him what for if he says anything. I'm going to head up Grafton Street. There are some really nice shops there. She'd never set foot inside. She would cut through Clarendon Street and nip into the church for a quick prayer. Before Kathleen got to the church, she saw a sign in the window of the jewellers. Shop. Staff wanted. She looked at the re her reflection in the window. In for a penny, in for a pound, she said, opening the door. There was a rather good-looking man behind the counter. He looked up and smiled at her. Can I help you? Yes, I'm inquiring about the staff wanted sign in the window, said Kathleen. That was quick. I just put it in the window ten minutes ago. Tell me a bit about yourself. She made up some stuff, finishing with the fact that she was a top fine detail finisher in her present job and that she just nipped out for a sandwich and had noticed the sign. So you've got a good job? Yes. I would like to work shop hours at something interesting. If I could. She was hoping he wouldn't go too deep with the questioning. How is your maths? Very good. I was an A student all through school. Did you do any of the state exams? He asked. Yes, I stayed in school till I was 16. If only he knew the amount of state exams I did. If you were so good, why didn't you go on? My father died and my mother needed my support. You can start on a month's trial. When can you start? I'll have to give a week's notice, if that's okay. Sure, I will expect you Monday week at 8am with your employment number. I can give that to you now, said Kathleen. He wrote it down. Back out in the fresh air, she headed along Grafton Street. She would go into Bewley's Cafe and buy a cherry bun. She hated the strong smell of coffee, but she loved a cherry bun. So holding her breath, she headed to the counter. She would eat it on the bus on the way back. Bewley's was a wonderful looking place with big stained glass windows by Harry Clark, the artist. All the waiters and waitresses were dressed in black and white. She hoped to have a meal there someday. I'm going to have a week's holiday, ten shillings more in my wages packet and a lie in every morning. I'll head back to the factory and finish my day, collect my wages. I feel like the old git is after giving me a gift, she thought, laughing out loud, not caring as passers-by turned to stare at her, including a ginger cat who was sitting, sunning himself in a doorway. Well, any luck, asked Patty. Kathleen winked and nodded. They got on with their work. At break time, Kathleen quietly filled them in. You'll be too posh to be seen with us before long, said Bridie. Never, said Kathleen. We will meet up in a different cafe every Friday after work. Now we'll have two jobs to talk about.
At the end of the shift, Patty and the girls made sure to take all Kathleen's things between them, just in case the foreman spotted anything out of place. God, said Anne, you're so lucky. You've ten bob rides, a week's holidays, but I'm going to miss you. That goes for us all. We're all going to miss you. And I need a good cup of tea. Where are we heading to, girls? said Bridie. The sun was shining as Kathleen headed up Grafton Street. I'm ready to start this new adventure. I'm not going to let these nerves get the better of me, she said out loud. As she felt a little nervous as she approached the shop, there was a ding at the bell and the door opened. A lady smiled at Kathleen. I'm Mrs. Cohn. You must be Catherine. Kathleen paused for a moment and then said, Yes, yes, I am. But you can call me Kay. Nice to meet you, Mrs. Cohn. Mrs. Cohn was a very gentle lady with a dark wig pinned to the front of her hairline. Kathleen had never seen this before. As Kathleen looked around, she loved the brightness of the shop. She hoped it would be a good place. The nuns had changed both Rachel and Catherine's names when they were placed in the orphanage. Rachel had been called Rita and Catherine had been called Kathleen. Even if Catherine had remembered her sister's name, there would never have been a hope of finding a Rachel. Catherine was only two, so she had no idea until she saw her birth cert when she was 16 that her name was Catherine. This was her moment. She was truly free of the nuns. Why had I not thought to do this before? Mrs. Cohn brought Kay into the back room and showed her what she had to do. I want you to fill these four display cases, just like the two over there. Use the chamois cloth to make them look their best before putting them in. Kay was in heaven. Such beautiful rings and earrings. She was going to enjoy this job. It didn't take long for Mrs. Cohn and her son, Adam, to spot what a good worker Kay was. Adam was the man she had spoken to the first time she'd walked into the shop. He was a quiet man like his mother, tall, tanned, with very brown eyes and a sunny smile every morning. The girls' night out was a great success with the four friends. Tonight, Anne, Patty and Bridie were heading across to Grafton Street. It was a lovely summer's evening, with the daylight lasting till 11pm. The cafes and restaurants and pubs were buzzing with life and laughter. Kay was waiting outside of Brown Thomas. This shop had been the, was the most expensive in Dublin, Open since 1848, Kay had yet to buy anything in it, but she liked to walk through it with Patty on Saturdays afternoons. They took all the fashion trends, then spent the rest of the day working out designs themselves and making their own patterns. They always looked like they'd just stepped out of a magazine. The girls tonight were in high spirits, Hi, Kathleen, they shouted and waved as they got near her. Kay said, less of the Kathleen, it's Kay now. 
Oh, you're getting too big for your boots, said Bridie. Patty laughed. And when's the last time you answered to Bridget? Oh, God, no, Bridget is me granny, said Bridie. Anna said. And when is the last time you answered to Patricia, Patty? I'm changing me name too, announced Anna. Kay said, to what? Anne. Everybody laughed and began to sing as they walked arm in arm up Grafton Street, heading for a walk around Stephen's Green. Dublin can be heaven, with coffee at eleven and a stroll in Stephen's Green. They began to sing out loud. There were some men sitting outside the pubs, drinking Guinness and enjoying the sun. They began to whistle along with the girls as they sang. Rarely a headin', shouted one of the lads. Bridie turned and gave them a wink. For a saunter in the park. The Dublin Saunter song was written by Leo Maguire, who lived from 1903 to 1985. The war becomes very real. The bombing of Ireland. On August 16, 1940, the lighthouse on Black Rock Ireland off the coast of Mayo was hit by German bombers. Also on the same day, five German bombs were dropped during daylight on the county on County Wexford, killing three people in the Shelburne Cooperative Creamery. It brought the threat of war back to the people of Ireland's doorstep. The last war still fresh in their minds. On January 2nd, the bombing of Dublin started. It didn't seem to matter that Ireland had not declared war. In Terenure, a residential area, 28 people lost their lives and 100 were badly injured. On the 20th of August 1940, Dublin city centre was bombed. Uh, the bombs fell on the North Circular Road near Summer Hill. The 1st of April to the 5th of April, 1940, Belfast was bombed, killing 900 people and injuring 1,500. The bombs destroyed over 5,000 houses. 30,000 houses were left with bomb damage. These bombs became known as the Belfast Blitz. On December 20 at 7.30pm, two bombs fell on Sandy Cove near Dunleary at the junction of Rossmore Park and Summerhill Road. The second bomb landed between Rossmore Park and Rossmore Gardens. Three people were injured. January 3, 1941, Dublin was hit again. German Luftwaffers dropped a bomb on Donort Terrace near the South Circular Road, injuring 28 people. There was no loss of life. May 31st, the North Strand was hit in Dublin. 28 people were killed. In the Ballybock area, two houses were demolished. Two bombs fell on the plumbing works near the zoo in the Phoenix Park. Damage was done to Arason Uchtheron, the official resident of the President of Ireland, Douglas Hyde at the time. Bombs fell on Arklow, June 2nd, 1941. Dundalk on June 4th, 1941. Thankfully with no loss of life. In 1943, the German government paid the Irish government £9,000 in compensation.
At this stage in the life, there was not much giggling left in the girls. The knitting factory no longer knit fashion items. Instead, they were knitting for the war effort. They lived with much uncertainty, knitting day after day, miles and miles of endless green scarf socks, jumpers. The war was killing Patty. All she could do now was redesign what she'd already repurposed. One bright patch was the factory was under war management and the girls were enjoying telling tales of the unsavoury foreman, which left him feeling uncomfortable for a change. The four friends still met up on Friday evenings. They usually went for a walk and would have to be back before blackout. The blackout rules had to be observed. It was an eerie, sad time to be living in. Tonight, Anna had a bag of sweets to share, so there was some excitement. Where on God's earth did you get these? asked Bridie. Anna smiled. Tom has a friend that works on the docks and sometimes things fall his way. Anna had met Tom the night they had headed up Grafton Street singing. The lads had followed the girls into the park and they had finished when they had finished their pints. Anne and Tom had been very quiet and just watched the carry-on of the others. Tom had leaned over to Anne and asked, Would you like to go out with me? Much to the other's surprise, they'd been walking out ever since. Although Ireland was not officially in World War II, thousands of Irish had signed up to the British Army. Ireland was a very young country. It had, it, ha, it had its own war of independence, the Civil War, to gain freedom from the British, a freedom of sorts. It took a lot for the Irish to sign up onto the British again. Kay received an important letter that morning. It was time to share her news with the girls. I received my embarkment papers. Embarkment papers, they all exclaimed. The girls were all gobsmacked, gobsmacked, shocked, horrified. Patty was very upset. You kept that very quiet. You never said a word. I know, Patty, but I didn't want you all signing up just because I did. It's something you have to decide on your own. People can get carried away at the moment, said Kay. <laughs> no fear of me getting caught up in anything, any moment. God, I'm going to miss you, said Patty. Give us a look at the letter, said Bridie. Kay pulled it out of her bag and they all gathered around, still sucking the sweets. You can bring no clothes except what you're wearing, said Anne. Not even knickers. You better wear a good few pair of nice ones, said Bridie. I see you can bring your own nightdress and dressing gown. That's nice of them. Well, we'll send you off with the best, designed by you-know-who, said Patty. God, Cathy, this time, Kat Kay, this time next week, you're, you'll be gone, said Anne. You even have your travel warrants for the boat and the train, said Patty in dismay. Kay's ma'am had been very upset when Kay had told her. Why, Kay? It feel like, like I'm just getting you back, she pleaded. I need to see more of the world and this is my ticket. Besides, I think the British Army owes us something. 
I'm the fourth generation of soldier in this family, and they left us with nothing. I've been locked up for most of my life, ma'am. You know I love you. I've signed for half me wages to be sent home to you, so you'll be well off. The kettle started to sing, and Kay got up to make the tea. Pat arrived in after her night teaching ballroom dancing lessons in Mary Street. She sat down, pulled off her shoes and started rubbing her feet. Her mam said, Kay's got a bit of news. I've joined up. I'm leaving in two weeks. Are you mad in the head? You'll get killed, said Pat. Who's to say I won't get killed here with all the bombs falling, said Kay. Does that mean I can have all your clothes, said Pat? No, I'll be home on leave and I'll need something to wear then. You can borrow anything except my blue coat. I'll be wearing that and anything else I can layer on. It'll be cold on the boat.